Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. On today's show, the Rangers are rolling. Gerard Gallant's team has turned a corner and are beginning to show signs that they might be not just a playoff team, but a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. It's not all sunshine and roses, though. Unless Igor Shesterkin is ready to play the next 64 games in a row, the Rangers have a looming backup goalie issue that they need to address with Alex Georgiev continuing to struggle. Also, we're excited for Dryden Hunt top line season, but is he really the long-term answer in the top six? We'll talk about some trade scenarios. We'll get to some fan questions as well. Uh, all ahead on, on this week's episode, but Dave and Becky, how are you guys doing on this fine uh, Tuesday evening or as we record for Wednesday morning? Doing I great. Am, I am tired. Dave's also stabby, so let's get him to, to be extra stabby on the podcast tonight. Oh, this is going to be fun. You, you're going to provoke me, aren't you? I sure am. Oh, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. This is not in the in the rundown, by the way, that I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> first up, though, on said rundown is just to, to kind of recap the last couple of games that the Rangers have played, the ones most fresh in our mind, the 2-1 loss to Toronto, uh, up in Toronto. Very strong game, though, from the team. Uh, and then, obviously, the 5-4 last second. Amazing victory over Buffalo. Um, but let's first start with the Toronto game. And... Um, that was an interesting one because it was a 2-1 loss and it was kind of the opposite of the last game in terms of, uh, you know, the last game was very much a track meet, mostly dominated by the Leafs. But of course, the Rangers came out on top with the Artemi Panarin OT goal. Um, this one was a very defensive-minded affair. There was were not a lot of scoring chances either way. Um, you know, Toronto just kind of, you know, they got a, they got a goal off a screenshot. I think they then got a power play goal. Um, Rangers made it interesting and had a really strong third period. But, you know, I still found uh, personally, I took a lot of positives away from that game. And I, I don't know how you guys felt as well. But, Dave, I guess I'll start with you. You know, w- what were the main differences you saw between the first Toronto game, the, the, the aforementioned sort of, you know, insanity where Igor Shesterkin really stood on his head and, you know, the, the most recent one? What do you think the Rangers have addressed in that time that's gone by? So it's funny you come to me for the Toronto game because I was not around for the Toronto game. Oh, I apologize. I was. <laughs> Becky, you go first. So, I mean, that game was really good. Um, I'm actually, I'm just trying to look up the, yeah, there we go. I'm looking at the stats right now. So, I mean, from what I remember, right, it was the third period was just like outstanding and it almost, oddly enough, kind of felt like <laughs> it felt like what happened in the game versus the Sabres with the last second goal was going to happen in the Toronto game. Um, yeah. You know, obviously in that situation, it would have just been a tie and then it would have gone to overtime again. But, um, you know, the Rangers like really it was like pretty. Right. I'm looking in the first period was like the Rangers held it for most of the period. Um the Leafs had a bit of a, a push toward the end of the first period. And then the Leafs generally. Oh, wait, am I looking at this wrong? Oh, my gosh. Can we just no, cut I think, all uh, this data? I mean, my my uh, remembrance of the game is is kind of that, that the first period was kind of even. The Rangers did have some good moments after the Leafs took a, took an early lead. I think, again, it was a screenshot that that went through from the from the point. Morgan Riley scored both goals for mm-hmm. Toronto in that game. But the Rangers really played solid um they didn't generate a lot and you know if uh, that's been an issue for them uh although it's becoming less of an issue obviously they're they're i think they're leading the league in shots on goal over the last uh you know couple of weeks now i'd have to check that 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 statistic but they're pretty much getting 30 35 even 40 shots a game now the last you know so the offense is really starting to come around and and um generate a lot more but you know look the leafs have become and i think on the broadcast both Henrik Lundqvist and Steve Valaket were saying this, the Leafs have really bought into a defensive system. Obviously, they have the talent to score four, five, six goals a game, but that might be at the expense of, um, you know, their own defense and goaltending. So that doesn't seem to be the case with them. They kind of more seem willing to 
wait for their offense to come, capitalize on the chances they get, and then otherwise play solid defense. So they seem to have bought into a system and almost in preparation for, um, you know, the, 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 the playoffs, right? That's kind of um, what they have in mind, a team kind of in there where they are in their journey. But um, the third period from the Rangers was outstanding and I thought really set the scene for, um, for the Buffalo game. But, and I totally agree with you, Becky, that they yeah. probably would have tied the game if the game were another minute or two long. You know, they were right on the doorstep um, and they got a couple of really great chances that Jack Campbell made some incredible saves. You know, I think in this instance, yeah. the Rangers got goalied, right? Yeah, no, they did. And actually, I'm looking right now. And so the Rangers had 13 high danger chances against the um, uh, four, uh, 13 high danger chances for uh, versus Toronto's eight. That was very difficult for me yeah. to say for some reason without saying the word against. Um, but, you know, I guess expected goals were slightly in Toronto's favor. And, you know, funny enough, right, the eye test kind of failed us because at five on five, I'm going to look at score adjusted now. Um, yeah, no, the Rangers had the strong expected goals in the first period, and then the second didn't do well. And then the third, they actually were 45 to, you know, 45.3. So they actually didn't have it, even though, you know, the end of that game was really exciting. I guess that's why you pull the goalie, right? Um, yeah. Well, it was just a very even game. You know, if you just kind of think of it in terms of, uh, you know, each team had their pushes. Yeah, I mean, Toronto definitely had some some moments where they really, you know, had the puck and were buzzing around the Rangers' end. But to hold that team to eight high-danger chances is a huge improvement over what we were seeing just a couple of weeks ago, especially on that, you know, Western Canada road trip where the Rangers were a leaky ship. I mean, they were giving up what seemed like eight high-danger scoring chances a period. So, yeah, and that's that's five on five. I mean, it was 11. It was 15 to 11. Um in all situations so still the rangers still had the edge there but even yeah still, i mean only I, three more on the power play or you know right well and this also you know this was a game obviously it was dryden hunt who um got the goal but it was off assists from strom and, and kako kako was actually the guy who made the play i think the puck just hit strom before it deflected out to hunt but um and obviously that was in the middle of a line change but you know that line the panarin strom kako line i think is really come into its own the last few games and I think now we can kind of transition to the Buffalo game and what we saw in that one and you know Dave um just you know first of all on the Panarin line um I mean first frankly Kako looks like a different player to me um and uh, you know I I think he is contributing more in a way that uh, now I think more in a tangible way that it's not just oh you know go fetch the puck out of the corner hold on to it and then dish it to Panarin and kind of hope for a rebound or, a, or an easy chance. He he actually seems to be gelling with that line. Um, and they've been, I think, the Rangers' best line over the last couple of weeks. And I think the same was the case in the Buffalo game as well. But, you know, what have you seen from that line that, that, you've, uh, that you've liked? So I think it was Arthur Staple. Uh, yeah, just want to call out to our first time having a guest from this year and he was our first and he was also I, I think we're the first to get him on a podcast so again pats to, uh, yeah. props to us but from that line he really said it best that initially he was kind of just a third guy there you know kind of like how Hayden Christensen got added to the end of Return of the Jedi, like the CGI did. He's just, hi, I'm Hayden Christensen. Hi, I'm Kako Kako. But now he's like a real-life person on this line. He's doing more than just being Hayden Christensen. He's an actual contributor. He is obviously gaining a lot of confidence. He's figured out where Panarin and Strom need him to be and where they're going to be. And that anticipation is everything. And we're starting to see why he was a number two overall pick and the skill that he has. It it took a while, and sometimes it takes a while with these kids, especially teenagers coming over from Europe playing their entire lives on Olympic size ice. It takes time. And we have the receipts on everybody who called him a bust. Just a reminder, we have those receipts. Facts only. So, well, yeah, is his pace, 
you know, something he can continue? Probably not, but he's still probably 20 to 25 goals, 50 to 60 points, and just incredible two-way play. He is a wing version of Patrice Bergeron, minus the nose. Right. Well, and, and that's, you know, I think that's the other thing that um, David Quinn failed to recognize with Kako last year was that he had become a very good defensive player. And he actually perfectly balances out Panarin and Strom, who are traditionally not the best defensive players, right? I mean, Strom has gotten a little bit better. You know, he's kind of been um, uh, break-even in terms of his defensive play uh, over the last couple of years, and he's proven he can do it away from Panarin. It helps when you play with Panarin because the puck is in the offensive zone a lot, but, you know, that line is not um, bleeding chances either when they do have to play defense, and I think... You know, but, but Capo Caco really is the perfect complement to those two players. Um, I wouldn't touch that line at all. I know we always call Mika Zibanejad's line the number one line because he is the, you know, sort of the nominal number one center. But to me, that's the Rangers' top line. Um, they start every game. You know those they're going to be out there in situations when they need a goal. They're probably going to be coming out there. Panarin's going to be out there every other shift probably. So I think that's really encouraging. Um, the Buffalo game as a whole... I found this to be a very interesting game because of what all the players and even the coach were saying after the fact. So there was a lot of talk about, well, oh, we didn't play that well, and it was kind of sloppy, and it was uninspired. And and, and that may have been true from sort of an anecdotal point of view, but the Rangers absolutely dominated that game, and I, I think it was sort of a quiet domination. I mean, Buffalo got almost no scoring chances at all. The reason they did score, first of all, they got a power play goal, obviously, off of a scramble in front. The other goals were a completely absurd turnover by Jared Tenorti. And then, you know, unfortunately, Alex Georgiev, who we'll talk about in a bit, struggling. But um, I don't know. I mean, Becky, did you see the same game I did? I saw a pretty dominant performance. Yes, you'd like to win by more than 5-4 and and a last-second goal. But, I mean, I don't think Buffalo touched the puck at all in the third period. And really, the Rangers also had their way with them in the second it just so happened that Buffalo got a couple of soft goals in the in the middle of that crazy, you know, four goals in one minute span that, in the middle of that period. So, um, but I mean, did, did you feel the same way I did watching that game? That game absolutely slapped. I love that game. That game was so fun. Um, I loved everything about that game. And people have the audacity to tell me that the Rangers eked out a win and like almost lost that game. And I just say to those people watch the game you know I mean like actually watch the game (laughs) like who could watch that game and be like yeah no the Rangers definitely didn't have any control of the puck I mean like forget about the underlying numbers which are insane I mean absolutely insane the Rangers had 75 percent of the expected goals in all situations that game was nuts so I mean yeah I don't know what people are saying I think this is gonna um seamlessly go into our next topic that you know I think that um Gallant did an amazing thing by pulling Yorgiev and putting in Chesterkin so tough thing to do um but it as your coach you want to see them do make tough decisions that are going to win you the game and Chesty came in and was shut down I mean listen the Rangers really helped by having the puck for like 90 percent of that period but um I think that that was a really good move on Gallant's part. And I think that in the postgame when they asked, you know, it sounded like reporters doing their job were asking the question, like, what, where was, what was that decision based on, or, you know, whatever. And, like, he just said coach's decision. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And he made a good decision, I think. Yeah, Dave, how did you feel about pulling Georgiev? Because uh, in my, I remember thinking, it would actually be the perfect chance to do it because of the two days off going into, uh, you know, the, the the stretch of games with the Islanders coming up on on Wednesday tonight. If you're listening to this, obviously on Wednesday morning, the Black Friday game in Boston, always a party, and then again against the Islanders on Sunday. Um, I understand why you'd want to keep Georgiev in, but in my head, I was like, you've got to win this game against Buffalo. Put Igor in because you've got the two days off. What did you make of the the goalie decision there? You know, it's funny. In the game itself, I didn't even... Obviously, I knew Sturkin was in, but I didn't think that far ahead to realize the two days off. This is the perfect opportunity. It just seemed like Georgiev obviously wasn't at his best, and the Rangers 
didn't necessarily need the two points, but this would have been a bad, a rough loss, not a bad loss. Would have been one of those tough losses because the Rangers, at I think the end of the third period, they had a 97% expected goal share in the third period, which is just mm-hmm. absurd. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And to lose, potentially lose the game because your goalie plays like I do, then (laughs) that's a kick to the nuts. It really is. But... Yeah, well, and then, you know, even going into a game against an Islander team that's very depleted with COVID and injuries, really struggling, having lost six in a row, you know... Uh, you want to be feeling good going into that game because of all its rivalry, the history going back to obviously last season. Um, and there's, you know, plenty of other stuff to talk about there. But, you know, focusing on Georgiev, you know, look, I um, I think he's a really likable guy. He's shown that he can be a good goaltender in the NHL, but he just does not have it right now. And it, it was, you know, somewhat refreshing to me as well to hear Steve Valaket's postgame analysis. And, you know, I... I've been hard on the MSG broadcast uh, in the past. I think sometimes it's really, really like leans into they don't criticize the Rangers at all, which is weird because if you watch the corresponding Knicks broadcast, they are very critical of the Knicks. And so it's not this whole like, oh, Dolan wants state-sponsored TV because he. I don't think it's that. I just think that the Rangers analysis is just sometimes too easy on them for whatever reason. But, you know, Valaket basically said like, you can't have a goalie playing at this level. It's just not good enough. And... He was the one, and I think, Dave, you mentioned this in your post, that, that mentioned um, potentially going down to Hartford and working on his issues. But that comes with uh, the whole question of waiving him and putting him through waivers. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, my thought on, on Georgiev is you need a backup goalie. And he he should, uh, an overpaid one, right? He's He's currently overpaid, but he should be more than good enough to be your backup goalie in the NHL. And and he's obviously going through a rough patch. So um, I don't know what else there is to it. And I don't know how you get out of it because you really can't justify starting him in any of the next three games against the Islanders and Bruins. I just, you've got to go with Shesterkin. The games are too important. This is a chance to really put the Islanders way behind you. I think up maybe 15 points. I haven't looked at the standings, but you could really bury the Islanders early in the season here. Um, I don't know. You know, uh, but is it, you know, I guess my just the, to kind of circle back to the, the, the way the team is playing, you know, are there issues in front of Georgiev that, that aren't happening in front of Shesterkin, I guess? You know, we saw in the past, Dave, you've pointed this out with they played differently in front of backups as opposed to the way they played in front of Lundqvist. Um, do, I don't think that that's happening, but maybe I'm wrong. Do you see anything uh, that's happening like that? No, the fronting stopped with Lundqvist. So just for those that are not as well-versed with this because we haven't actually written about this in quite some time. In the Henrik Lundqvist era, he actually preferred that his defensemen play in front of the man in front. He felt it gave him more time to read and react instead of what you... And that's called fronting instead of what we normally see, which is a net side presence where... The defenseman plays behind the man in front and tries to tie him up from rebounds and deflections. It worked for Lundqvist, but that's not something that's going on now. And they play the same. They get they tie up the man in front. But as far as Georgiev struggles, I mean, the kid's got the talent. I, I just think it's a confidence issue. I really do. Becky, what about you? I'm not, um, I obviously am not as uh, attuned to kind of like Goldie, you know, I like Justin and Dave can look at a goalie and be like, he's not squared this way or whatever in like one second. And, you know, a lot that has to do with the fact that both of them, not to be this guy, but like have played the game, have played the position. Um, and I think it's what makes especially Valakhet's, um analysis on this subject just so good. That being said, it's definitely a confidence thing. I said, I think it was last week. Uh, was it last week that they won that ridiculous shootout game against the Devils? Yeah. The seven round, right? Um, I'm glad that he got that win because I felt like it would build his confidence. And I was happy about that. Um, 
but you know this look there was one goal that went in in that game that Tenorti was like the direct cause and there was one at least one goal that Georgiev should have absolutely had so oh my god that's a Nordy goal <laughs> if you're but like if you're that. sad about losing by by you know or by winning by only one goal like yeah okay you could be sad or whatever like if that's your jam and you and just enjoy wallowing in your misery but like realistically it should have been five to two um yeah it wasn't and they won the game in regulation so i'm still thinking of the Tenorti goal no, but that's what I mean. Like, you know, you can't. I think the point is, like, you're going to have a shitty defenseman making a shitty play sometimes when you play a shitty defenseman. And, like, you need to buck up and just deal with it. What as kind the of a fake and... was that? <laughs> yeah, that was the funniest part. I actually, you know, I, I when that goal happened, I want to say might have been cooking. Because, yeah, that was a six o'clock game. So it was like that was like dinner time where it was like I was like cooking when that was happening. So I didn't hear Joe Micheletti <laughs> his commentary and he was just he was just like oh you see t- uh he and who was it that scored Hinnestroza scored the goal and he was like Sam Hinnestroza just doesn't go for the fake here by Tenorti and I was like what fake <laughs> like he just he just turned the wrong way right into the guy that was pressuring him just an absolutely horrendous like men's league level hockey play really that's not even men's league I've never <laughs> his fake was he looked one way and we said, oh, there's nobody there. I'll go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> just turn yeah. off and Creativity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just made myself laugh, yeah. cry. <laughs> it, it really it really was a, uh, an, a moment that should live. It should be immortalized, really, for, for Ranger fans. Especially because, look, it happened in a game where they ended up winning the game on an incredible last-second goal. And I think we have to just talk about that a little bit before we move on and, and relive it. And what's really, I think, you know, to kind of tie it into the Tenorti stuff, you know, look, uh, Ryan Lindgren had, uh, I think I read the stat uh, in the aftermath of the game. He's never had more than three goals in a season at any level that he's ever played at. And I think that, or, or three goals for a team he's ever played for, I think that was his fourth career goal um, for the Rangers. It was his second of this season. Um, I think he had three career goals in, in college. He, you know, he had three career goals for the Wolfpack when he played there. Another Wolfpack success story, by the way. I think sometimes he gets left out. He played 80-some-odd games for the Wolfpack, and it obviously served him well. Um, what an incredible moment for him. What a great play by everybody on the ice, Barkley Goodrone included. Obviously, he's been a bit of a whipping boy, but he was out there on the final shift of the game with the top line. Something I totally agree with, by the way, from Gallant. I think that that's a totally defensible move to have a defensive-minded person out there in a situation like that in a tied or, or close game late, especially if you're protecting a lead. Um, all five players on the ice contributed to that goal. And just if you, if you watch, what's remarkable to me is when the puck actually gets out of the corner, Kreider makes the initial pass. I think there's something like 2.1 seconds on the clock. So just think about the fact that from Kreider's pass, from uh, that moment to Fox, to Zibanejad, to Lingren, to the back of the net, about a second and a half went by with that, with that happening. That's just insane how quickly, you know, these guys can process what's going on, make a play, and score a goal. So, I mean, that's probably my favorite Ranger goal uh, in a long time, maybe since Mika's mm-hmm. fifth goal in his five-goal game against Washington. But just an incredible play. And I don't know, Becky, what was your reaction when that puck went in? I mean, I think I screamed. <laughs> that was so awesome. Didn't wake the, the baby up, though. No, no, no. She's like PTFO. She's not wake up until like 5.45 a.m. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was awesome. I think I agree with you. Like, it was just a super exciting goal. And, and uh, you know, the seven shootout, whatever, that was also a really exciting goal in a different way. But, like, I mean, Lindgren, that – first of all, I think Mika, I've never seen – anyone jumps so high on the ice except for Dom Moore when he jumped on Brian Boyle but um I that celebration brought so much joy to my heart and like that was a win that makes you feel like and they dominated the game so it didn't feel like they shouldn't have won the game but like that kind of win just makes you really feel like the team is special it, you just feel something there I totally agree Dave my favorite part of that goal is with about five seconds left. You, if you watch the left side of your screen, you just kind of screen. You kind of just see 
Lindgren creep up and creep up and creep up, and you see that Zabanajad sees that happening, and then you see Fox come in so that if the puck happens to squirt out, they know what's going to happen. I'm sitting here tapping yeah. my desk, going, they, they, Zibanejad and Fox see Lindgren creeping in, and they know there's only one Buffalo Sabre who's not in the corner. And they see it happening. And that's just the vision that these guys have. And we were talking about Kako before, about, hey, you know, we're finally starting to see him click in the second line. It's that vision that is starting to click with Panarin and Strom. And we saw that kind of a vision play with Fox and Zibanejad. Seeing Lindgren just creep up and creep up and creep up. That was great. And also, I said very loudly, oh, shit when that went in and then i immediately checked the baby monitor <laughs> of out course cold. <laughs> out cold what good i mean these are these are kids that uh, are born into the right household then that they can sleep through hockey fans celebrating a last minute winner so um no it was an incredible play and, and just to kind of you know tie up the point that i was making earlier with you know look lindgren was thought of as kind of a defensive first player right and you have guys like Jared Tenorti who are in the league. Obviously, he's a much bigger body than um, Lindgren. But it's kind of, you know, I think often GMs would lump those types of players together, right? Well, a stay-at-home defenseman, physical guy, does the little things. But there's such a difference between Ryan Lindgren and not just his physical ability, obviously a much better skater, but just his hockey sense, right? Just his his awareness to get into a scoring position with three seconds left, knowing that there's no possible way Buffalo can go the other way and and get their own last second winner. Um, and then even the ability to finish that play. I mean, obviously it looks very easy. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty much a tap in from, from 10 feet out, not even, but um, you still got to do it. You still got to lift it because the goalie's coming across the net there and trying to make a desperation save. So he did everything right. Fox, Kreider, Goodrow, Zibanejad, they all did everything right. And, you know, that's a great sign. And, and, you know, look in general, we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks now, this is the Ranger team that I think we all hoped for and, and expected at some point to see this year with Gerard Gallant coaching them. Um, but as I said at the top of the show, there are still some issues. So Georgiev, we'll kind of see where that goes. I, I agree with your your post that was on the uh, on the blog a couple of yesterday, or, or I think it was yesterday, Dave, about uh, uh, Georgiev probably not going to clear waivers. There are teams that would grab him. Um, I think he's just got to work it out at the NHL level. I think he needs to just get some games, you know, first or second half of back-to-back and play through it um, and hope the team rallies around him, right, like the way they did during that Devils game. Um, the other area of need for the Rangers, there, there's two actually, but um, I think I want to start with winger, right? So uh, practice lines on Tuesday uh, had Dryden Hunt on the top line. Barkley Goodrow back down to the fourth line, actually a center there. Um Rob Luker has been sounding the Dryden Hunt alarm for the last few weeks, um, and I think we all support that. Hunt is a you know a, a really solid player, has very very good underlying numbers, and seems to just make offense happen. It's not pretty; he's not a, a scorer or a high skilled player, but the puck is generally in the offensive zone when he is out there. So, um, you know, he's going to get a shot on the top line. He played about half the game against Buffalo on the top line and acquitted himself well, but you know. I think we can all agree that that's probably not a long-term solution for the Rangers, although maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe Dryden Hunt will turn out to be that solution. I guess we'll wait and see. But, um, you know, I guess, Dave, just to kind of, you know, start with you, you know, where and, – and there's been a lot of articles written about this over the last few days, so this is obviously not a novel topic that we're about to discuss. But um, where can the Rangers go in terms of trades right now and – who are some names that you think are reasonably out there, you know, right now in the market? Maybe we could just kind of discuss a few of those. So Dryden Hunt is not the answer on the top line. I appreciate. Well, so I'm glad you said that. That <laughs> I appreciate Rob Luker saying that. Yeah, he, he's the best option right now, and yes, he is the best option right now, given that the third line is actually clicking, and right now is literally just right now. At some point, Dryden Hunt is not going to work out. I, I hope he does. I really do, because that'll be a hell of a story. Because we all love the the Hunt signing, and he's a great depth player. I don't 
think he's going to work on the top line, but hey, I would love to be wrong. In the event that he doesn't work out, that <laughs> this is such a shit show, right wing. Such a position of strength. And then they went and screwed it all up, building this roster in a video game with no injury depth. So, what? There are three options, really. Three realistic options. You got, what, Ricard Raquel in Anaheim, who also plays center. He He's a rental. You got Brock Buss... Brock, Besser? Busser? How do you pronounce his last Besser. name? Besser. Brock Besser. Besser. Brock Besser. Who is a great by low candidate, but his qualifying offer is $7.5 million. And yeah, you're not keeping that. You're not keep, you're not getting that, and he's projected to make $7 million on a five- or a six-year contract per Evolving Hockey. That could obviously change. These are last year's numbers. But... Vancouver can't afford him, and guess what? The Rangers probably can't afford that for a winger, for a specifically a winger where they have two top two picks that can play there. And uh, they're better off spending that money on a center. And then the third is Kevin Fiala, who is actually affordable. Um, I mm-hmm. don't remember what his cap hit is off the top of my head. I'm just checking it right now. I think it's mid four. So, yeah, he's a pending RFA, five point one million, but his qualifying offer is also just five point one million. But again, he's one of those guys that if you're trading for Fiala, why did you trade Pavel Buchnevich? Oh, right, you went because you did, and it's over. I know. I am criticizing Brewery. Are you never going to make a a change now? Are you never going to do anything about it now? Becky, don't you? Dare. I'm annoyed. No. I'm annoyed. You just annoyed me. Good. Anno- be annoyed, Becky, because you were going to annoy me, and you didn't let me finish by saying that Drury should have had a backup plan for the Kravtsov crap because he knew that relationship was damaged. To not have a backup plan is a problem, and if you were go- not going to have a backup pl- plan for Kravtsov, then you should have done something better with Bushnevich. And I like Sammy Blay. I do. But that's a Drury thing for not having a backup plan. And that's why we're in this shitty situation where we now have to trade assets for another effing rental. So I'm annoyed. Of those three names. No, I appreciate the uh, the passion there, Dave. And, and and you're right. I mean, I agree with you in the sense that they turned a position of strength in, in and that's now a weakness. And, and they some circumstances may have been out of their control, but others were firmly in their control. And I don't think they've managed the situation particularly well of those three names so who did you say you said fiala besser and raquel and raquel becky of those three and let's let's maybe just let's put all of the particulars aside just because i just want to kind of get a i want your opinion becky of the three who would you want let's just forget about the cap hit and all the other factors around it even what you'd have to give up who do you think is the best fit right now of those three players, and which one would you want on the Rangers if you had the opportunity to trade for any one of them? I mean, I like Besser, but that's just based on, like, his history. Um, he's, like, and this is so stupid, but he's a reliable, like, fantasy hockey player. So that's kind No, of that cool. shows he produces, though, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I go with. I don't, I'm not familiar with how he's doing this season. It sounds like he's not doing great, though. Um, I know Fiala's probably where rangy fans are going to want to go with and i don't really have any problem with fiala so you know whatever see i like raquel and i've he was a name that um you know not to make myself sound like the uh the dude who discovered the band before they were cool and everybody knew them but (laughs) when we were having this conversation a, a month ago um i was going through the rosters of teams that are in rebuilds and raquel was like the first name that jumped off the page to me and i think it was not even because I'm like a big regard Raquel fan. I mean, I'm really not. But he kind of fits the Ranger profile, right? Okay, so he's a right wing, but also plays some center. He's a big body. Yeah, I think he's like 6'2", 215. I'm not looking at his his uh, his measurables right now, but he's a big body. He has some history. He has some playoff history. He's played on kind of a Western Conference team, which I think the Rangers are starting to look and feel like one of those, you know, um, sort of grinded out aggressive Western Conference playoff teams like Gallant had 
Um, but the Anaheim Ducks fit into that category. The San Jose Sharks, when they were making their runs, fit into that category. Nashville, they all kind of played the same type of style. Uh, and Raquel, I think, fits that style. Um, I know his um, underlying numbers have not been great lately, but um, I don't necessarily think that's a huge problem. He's been on, and you always say this, Dave, with the Rangers and, and the, the shit show they've been through for the last three, four years. Sometimes you have to take those underlying numbers with a grain of salt because they were on a bad team. It was a bad situation. And it wasn't just, you know, um, measurable stuff that was happening. The team was in a bad way. The guys were in a bad mood. There were players shuffling in and out of the lineup. There were injuries. There were all these other things that could contribute to a guy's on ice uh, impacts being affected, right? So even if you try and control for all that stuff, it's impossible. It's still humans playing a sport. So Raquel seems like the kind of guy that just fits the profile and, and also could be had for not a hugely, not a king's ransom, if you will. So, um, Dave, but let me ask you, who do you like out of those three? Who would be your, your top pick? Again, put oh. all the other stuff aside, like what it would take to acquire, cap hit, uh, next contract. Oh, just just okay. who do you like the best out of the three? So can I go off the board? Or do I have to pick from these three? Because I know you guys don't like my answer. Go off the board. I don't care. The only answer I see right now is when, if and when, Hunt doesn't work out, you have a number one overall pick, and that is on the third line. And, yes, that line is playing very well. And I am very aware that breaking up a line like that that works very well is probably a bad idea when you need tertiary scoring but you're telling me Alexi Lafreniere is not the best answer right now it's a great point and, and, and then call a uh, call a Pioniemi or call a Baron I don't understand why they have to go and make a trade when they're the ones that screwed this up in the first place move Laf, uh, Laf up Laf Zabanajak, Kreider on the right, that had, what, a 54% expected goal share? And then call up Morgan Barron. He can play wing. I know they view him as a center. But put him on the left with Hedl and Gauthier. And that should be fine, too, as a third-line scoring line. That is also, with Barron and Hedl, very defensively sound. Gautier, TBD, on the defense. Right. But Gautier has been yeah. a monster. Oh, let's shout him out. He's been incredible. He's been, and he's it's been good a to monster. see. Because he's been amazing. And I'm really happy to see that because of all the flashes he's shown in, in his brief kind of, you know, broken up two years as a Ranger now. This is his third season because he was traded uh, at the 2020 pre-COVID deadline to the Rangers from the Carolina organization. Um, so... You know, look, uh, great to see. And, and he seems like a player that could and should thrive in, in Gerard Gallant's system. You know, again, it, Alex Tuck is the first guy that comes to mind. Big, power forward, right wing, blazing speed, chance creation monster. And that's exactly what Julian Gauthier has looked like the last couple of weeks. So, no, I hope that keeps up. Um, listen, I think your logic is totally sound, Dave. I think um, regardless of sound logic... The Rangers are going to look at this two ways. We can one, we can still develop Lafreniere. He's getting plenty of minutes with the third line. You know, taking a regular shift, he gets a little bit of, you know, secondary power play time as well. We don't need to rush the kids, Morgan, Barron, and, and Laurie Payuniemi, and they're probably going to make an upgrade anyway because the cap space they have this season disappears next year with all the contracts they need to sign, and we don't need to get into those specifics now. But they have this sort of like one year opportunity to add multiple impact players as rentals and not have it affect their um, cap situation down the line. So whether they do it now or they wait to the deadline and do to do it, I think they're going to end up doing it. So, and I think Chris Drury is planning to add to this team, um, even if it means sacrificing some futures. Um, I want to throw one name out there because it's been bandied about. Well, two actually. And let's start, I want to start with, the former Ranger, J.T. Miller. Becky, are you up for a J.T. Miller reunion? You want me to choose violence, don't you? 
Ugh, well, the other guy, I, the other guy one. I'm going to mention is also going to bring up some reactions. So let's just start with JT. Do we have to? Yes, you do. Yes. Didn't they like make him fly home from the West Coast only to trade him to Vancouver? Didn't that happen? I think that's true. No, because he was traded to Tampa. We had they might have him on Maybe they flew to wherever they were going to fly to on the West Coast then for a game, and then he had to fly back and then fly to I think, Tampa. I think that's right. <laughs> so you're, yeah. what you're saying is, <laughs> what you're saying is, no, you're not up for a JT Miller reunion. I just like don't get. I do not get sentimental um, about like former players. So you know, I just no. I mean, but he's good, so yeah. This is my thing. I don't get sentimental at all. He's just great. He's a great hockey player. He's turned into like a point per game player. Why was he so average before? What's your take on that? Uh, Well, I think he hated Elaine Vigneault. So that breaks that express. So yeah, you guys could bond over that. You guys have a lot in common. There's no need to hate him. So I, I actually think don't ha- hate him. And actually, like, his funny, funny story, but like, we've done, gone to a couple of casino nights. I think I've gone to like two of them. And his wife was like probably the nicest, like, most down to earth person. Like, she was like actively like roaming the crowd. I think she was like the only wife or girlfriend to really be doing that. And she was like just chatting with people. I was like very, um, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm acting like these people are, like, humongous celebrities. They're not. But, like, at Casino Night, you kind of are. And she was just, like, so super down-to-earth and sweet. So I was like, you know what? All right. I guess if JT hated AV, he can come back. Well, and then and you, a lot of people have also brought up the fact that um, he didn't get along with Cooper. And the Lightning were also very quick to get rid of him as well. You know, there were a lot of other players, probably players not as good as JT Miller, that they could have chosen to get rid of. But they they got rid of him. So look, maybe there is a little bit of a of an issue there. And also, but I also get, don't like John Cooper. So bonding, <laughs> right? Well, also, but look, the Rangers obviously have focused on the culture in the locker room, the the off ice personality of the team they built for the better. By the way, I think that we can all agree that that has had a positive impact. Now, whether or not that means more wins. Probably up for debate. Probably not, because ultimately talent's, talent is going to win the day. But, you know, the team clearly ha- is a high-character team. They brought in guys who are high-character. They've gotten rid of the D'Angelo, Lemieux, you know, et cetera, et cetera types. So, you know, and, and I think built a pretty strong team that, that will not come apart at the seams if things get tough the way last year's team did. And maybe they're worried JT Miller disrupts that. So that brings me to my other guy. And Dave, I'll get your hot take on this one. Are you interested in Phil Kessel? No. <laughs> no. Phil Kessel's not good. So uh, he is good. No. He's, 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 he's good at one thing or two things. Yeah, he, he does that one thing very well, but the Rangers don't need that. This Especially- sounds vaguely dirty. I just want like if you were <laughs> listening to this and didn't like know any hockey, anything, it this sounds dirty. It's, it's, what is he good at? He's a very good shooter and the Ranger, for his expected role, they'd be acquiring him to be that top-line right wing. They don't need the shooter. They need the vision, the play driver. And Kessel is far from that. Yeah. That's, okay. a, that's a good point. And also, I just, you know, to JT Miller for one thing, the only acceptable return for, to Vancouver has to include Libor Hayek. Amen. Only so you'll because do that I trade want as long to as see Libor Twitter burn on, you know, <laughs> Miller has to be thrown in so the Rangers can get Hayek, and then the Rangers include Hayek in a deal to get Miller back. I, I, it writes itself, guys. That would be amazing. Let's stick with Libor Hayek, actually, because the other guy... No, let's not. Talk He's about. not a forward. He's not a forward, Rob. It's not happening. Stop trying to make that I'm happen. Transition- Dave's just like... Like, Dave. Dave. Jesus. Rob is, like, truly choosing violence today. I'm transitioning to the defenseman, which you added to our little rundown here, Dave. I added so, nothing to the rundown, I actually, added veteran defenseman to the rundown, of which Libor Hayek is not. Well, but the point is, right, so Jared Tenorti has, has held down... <laughs> 
I guess that's a nice way of putting it. The seventh it's a defenseman role. Than Hayek. Well, it, is I don't he, though? see veteran defensemen, by the way, on this rundown. I'm taking a screenshot of this and posting. Oh no, I wrote wings yeah, slash defense Twitter and Nemeth has been atrocious. That's what I wrote. He has. I think he'll be better, but let's just let's explore the veteran defenseman screenshot uh, thing taken. for a second here, because I do think that they they're going to need. They're going to need a defenseman, no doubt. And if, if even if Nemeth improves slightly, which I think he will, because he's just getting used to being in New York, he's getting used to a new coach, that's not an easy thing. Um, it took Jacob Truba almost two full seasons to fully adjust, and now he's, he's finally— He's not Jacob Truba. I know that, but it still took him, a very good hockey player, time to adjust. You can't just drop yourself into a, situ- a new situation and thrive right away. So I think you I can. want to give Patrick Nemeth more than 18 games. That said— if you're going to be a serious playoff contender, which I think this team is, not only are they going to be in, I think they have designs on making a run this year. You need more depth on your on your back end. And it cannot be a combination of Nemeth, Nils Lundqvist, and Jared Tenorti. I think we know that. So um, I have no idea, by the way. I, you know, Obviously, I was throwing some names out in terms of forwards uh, before. I have no idea where to even begin with a veteran defenseman. Um, Dave, I don't know if you've done any digging in this area. Who who do you think they can target uh, if they are if they do want to add a defenseman at some point? You know this season. Uh, Zach Jones. See, no, they're not going to call up Zach Jones <laughs> as a veteran defenseman. As, as, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, so yeah, I felt like choosing violence. Now you know how it feels, Rob. Yeah, Rob. <laughs> You got Rob. Me. Poor Rob. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got me. Uh, I am actually on Cap Friendly looking at Canadians, Coyotes, Sabres. I mean, Ben Sherratt. <laughs> mm. uh, okay, so no. What's let's... Michael Delzato up to these days? <laughs> Hitting on porn Don't stars. Even. Hitting on porn Don't stars. Even. That's so easily. 2014. That's so Raven. Uh, he, oh, wow, funny, this is just hilarious uh, So I went to the Senators Cap friendly, Michael Dozato is on the Ottawa Senators Yes he is He ding, ding, ding. is making $2 million a year And he signed for a year after this one So he's out, Nick Holden is available Though played under I'm going to hang up right now <laughs> Yeah, I don't want any part of that either But he played well under Gallant to be fair um, who are... You want to talk about Twitter burning down? Just yeah. <laughs> Give me bad teams. Making this Ranger year. fans watch another playoff game in which Nick Holden plays for their team would is torture. I'm going to yeah. just say that right now. The Red Wings. I'm. I'm. Well, that is not English. Um, no. Red Wings. Nick Letty. Danny DeCaro. Well, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, Nick man, Nick Letty would be perfect. That's a, that's a name that I'm interested in. You know who else is a left defenseman on Detroit that will probably wind up being available? No. Come on, guys. You know this. Are you really going to say... Dylan McElrath? Uh, no. Rob, what do you think I'm going to say? Are you really going to say Mark Stahl right now? I am going to say Mark Stahl. Yeah, we're going to the next topic. I, I'm done. Yeah, pull up I'm those exiting the chat. <laughs> But no, out of all we're gonna revisit the veteran defenseman question later in the year. (laughs) Out of of all that, Nick Letty is probably the best bet. (laughs) Or Sherrod, I think Sherrod would probably be fine. I love. I would. I would enjoy Nick Letty. Actually, he's he's good. I would enjoy Nick Letty. I would not enjoy Sherrod because I've been pronouncing his name Chiarot for a long time, (laughs) and yeah. That's going to be a hard habit to break. I, did you hear me pause when I said Ben Sh- Sherrod? What is wrong with <laughs> It's like you? chariots of fire. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Dave. My sweet Dave. Um, what <laughs> do Rob, we have in terms of questions? Like you got to have wine and dine me first. Oh, well, my pleasure. <laughs> Um, all right, we've got some questions, one of which I'm not going to read because it's not nice, Brandon. Um, the answer to Brandon's question is, when is Dave going to go fully bald? And that is, I probably should have been by now, but Rogaine for the win. Also, let's normalize ooh. male pattern baldness. It affects, about, what, 60% of men? It happens to literally all of us. So, Brandon, just because you're 11 years old and can't boil water doesn't mean you're not going to go bald <laughs> at some point in your life. <laughs> 
That was a good answer. You know what his shame is that he doesn't listen to the podcast because he literally, I think, said in the chat like, "I don't do podcasts," which is really. We'll fun, cut but... it. We'll cut it and um. Put oh, it that's on, getting like, clipped somehow yes. on the interwebs, and then like just we'll just all like bombard his mentions with it. So. Yes, we will do that. You're right. Or good shout. Just, yeah, we'll just say it in the chat all the time. Um, but yeah, normalized male pattern baldness. I like that. There's no reason to to bald shame people. They're like very, very, very hot bald people. So, yes. And you know what? For the record, Rogaine worked for me. Good. And I like my hair. Although, you know, my dad went bald when he was 34. And I'm now 37, going to be 38 in a couple of months. And I still have all my hair. Although... When my dad was hit, when my dad was thirty four, he had a four year old and a seven year old. So I can appreciate losing your hair as soon as you have two kids. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that explains that. All right. Um, so we kind of went over this, and I'm just reading them kind of in in uh, order of how they came in. So Bill to spill our bestie. Is Nemeth as bad as the underlying stats say? The eye test shows a very unremarkable D man. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing in your five or sixty, but his charts are brutal. So I think we kind of went over this, but um, Rob, you seem a little bit optimistic that he might pull some shit together at some point. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's exactly that. He's a veteran who will make the smart play with the puck ninety nine percent of the time, and I think his brutal charts are weighed down by an atrocious first ten games by the team. Right? I mean, other than two out of their first 10 in which they were a passable hockey team. The Rangers were awful and it got worse. You know, they started off like kind of eh, below average, not great. And then it got worse. They've got points because of the goalie where they were seven, three and three. They're now 11, four and three. They keep winning. But the last, as we've talked about five, six, seven games have been much, much better. I expect that as the team trends upward, Nemeth's numbers will normalize and he'll be absolutely fine. I don't think he's the guy you need to worry about. I think that, Gallant, who said this in his uh, post-practice remarks earlier uh, on Tuesday, Nils Lundqvist is a rookie, right? So he can't – and he basically said, look, it's okay if a guy like that doesn't play 82 games. The reason they need a veteran defenseman is because of that. They need to be able to give Nils Lundqvist a break, and they need to be able to plan for your favorite um, uh, scenario, Dave. Not your favorite, but the one you always bring up, which is an injury. They've been remarkably healthy on defense. They've basically had their top four intact – knock on wood for the entire uh, season so far. They haven't really had any injuries on defense to speak of. If one happens, you've got to be able to do better than Jared Tenorti. Um, so that's the reason to make a move. But I do think Nemeth will be fine, yes. Okay. I just want to uh, I, I go through the game logs on this. So we are using the November 8th Florida game as the last, absolute last game of really crappy play. And mm-hmm. I am looking at, first off, Nemeth had an expected goals for a percentage in that game of 7.53%. I've never seen something that low before. You love wow. to see it. <laughs> um, but one, two, three, four, five games since. Nemeth has two games, Jersey and Buffalo, over 60%. One game, Columbus, around 45%. Two games under 35%. Montreal, Toronto. Right. So, and what does that average out to? About about 48%, I would guess? Close to 50? Um, I mean, I'm not doing the math in my head. If you want to... Uh, about, well, yeah, the, the 60s, they bring it up. But... Mm-hmm. It's still... He gets... This is two good games really weighing out the two bad... So, mm-hmm. if you want to leave him at, what, a 45%, I mean, fine. It's not great, though. It's, it's not, not good great. And is he as bad as his numbers? Maybe. I'm not really paying too much attention to that right now, but now I am going to. Great job. Good job, John Cougar Colleen Camp. <laughs> No, but honestly, thank you for questions That's every a good week. Question. You are you are a podcast favorite. We appreciate you. Um, okay, next, JB Sports Twenty Two asks, why not waive Georgie for say Kincaid? 
even at the expense of no return if he gets picked up. We got lucky with who Georgie was and a decent backup for a few years, but it seems like talent has caught up to him. I would think Kincaid is a bit of a better second goalie. Uh, I'll defer to Dave here because I know he mentioned this in his post about this whole situation. Um, and then I'll, if you, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll maybe throw in a comment or two at the end. But Dave, I, I want to hear your response to that. Read the post. <laughs> Send JB Sports Twenty Two a link to the post. But also, he will listen to this. So <laughs> Can let's he answer stop the breathing question. heavily. It's freaking me out. <laughs> so Georgiev is not clearing waivers. I'm sorry, he's not. Buffalo has Aaron Dell, Craig Anderson, and Dustin Tokarski in net. Arizona has Karel Vedmelka, I guess, and Scott Wedgwood (laughs) as their goalies with Carter Hutton on IR. Both teams are rebuilding. You tell me they wouldn't take a flyer on a 25-year-old goalie for free? Come on. He would get claimed. He wouldn't get past those two teams. Uh, But Kincaid, I love the guy. He's hilarious. Seems like an all-around good guy. His emoji posts from last year were amazing. He hasn't posted a 900 save percentage since 2017-2018. So, at best, Kincaid is a sideways move. He's more likely a step back. And to the next Adam Huska thing... He was bad for two years in the AHL. Now he's finally playing well. Don't uproot him while he's gaining confidence. Let him do play well. Just the answer is not in Hartford. It's not. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is that Kincaid uh, busted out some sweet uh, Mike Richter-looking goalie pads, which I thought was awesome. So great for him. I'd love to go see him in Hartford. We, uh, we've been to a couple of Wolfpack games the last few years. Those are super fun. But I agree. I don't. I don't think he's the guy. And I think, you know, let's hope Benoit Lair works his magic with Georgiev, and and he can get a couple of confidence building uh, performances coming up in the next couple of weeks here. But I think in the meantime, we're planning to see a hell of a lot of of Igor, which is which is absolutely fine. I just don't want him to burn out, especially you know with a compressed schedule. And I would assume he's also going to go play in the Olympics. And I am now having flashbacks to the 2006 season where Henrik Lundqvist went to the Olympics, won gold for Sweden, and then was had nothing left in the tank for the rest of the Rangers season when he got back. I do not want that to happen to Igor, but we are on a crash course for that exact scenario, so let's hope it doesn't happen. All right, and I have no input, so let's keep moving. Last question. Dunk Fair asks, now that Dryden Hunt has unleashed the floodgates of his offensive prowess, will he be playing right wing on the first or second line on Wednesday? <laughs> Cannot tell if that's real or not. I mean, <laughs> who's to say, really? I think we know he's going to be playing. He, you know, he practiced on the first line, so... There you go. This is the second straight season where we've picked up a random solid depth signing, and now he's playing with the best players on the fucking team. What the hell? <laughs> Listen. It's true. Listen. We all thought Strom was an asshole, and look at him now. So, it's all I'm Good saying. Point. Okay, Paul Rudd. <laughs> look at us now. I, look I at take, us. I take being called Paul Rudd, by the way, a tremendous compliment. It so is a compliment. Honestly... He looks the same now as he did in Clueless. Sexiest and that's, man that's alive. not fair. It's not fair. I know. What, happens, like what happened to normalized male pattern baldness? <laughs> what are we doing here? We get normalized male pattern baldness and not aging. Yeah, uh, yeah can Listen, we I think the point is that it's more than just looks. And the reason that I feel so like happy about being called Paul Rudd is that he's very successful and has had a very long career and seems like a very nice person. Yeah, but he had the simple answer to killing Thanos and he didn't do it. Okay, well, I don't do that whole thing that you do there, so I don't know what that means. (laughs) Oh, fair. So I completely misfired on this one to Becky. Rob, did you at least get that? No, well, I know it's a a a Marvel reference. Let's just say that. All right. You know what? what? A lot of people are into it, and that's great. 
you know what? I'm normalizing being interested in things that you are interested in as long as they are not hurting others. Yes. Given the last two years, let people do whatever the hell they want. All right. I don't care. You dress up like a furry and roam around. I don't give a shit. Listen, last Halloween, I dressed up as a dinosaur and ran down the street. It was hilarious. That actually is pretty funny. Why is there no video of this? Because we don't do social media. Uh, I, I don't do personal things on social media. As a guy with 9,100 followers on Twitter, I can't actually say with a straight face, I don't do social media. That just, yeah, that doesn't fly. Okay, I'm going to add an extra uh, uh, question, and this is coming from at BHAB37. Your alter ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is everyone's favorite Thanksgiving food? So it could be anything. It could be from appetizers to desserts to sides to the turkey, etc. What is what is everyone's favorite? Dave, you go first. Oh boy. Oh. So I'm assuming and I can't say scotch. No, you can't say scotch, you degenerate. So every And I'm gonna year, add something in here. I'm gonna add something in here too. You have to say what your favorite food is and you have to say one thing that you're thankful for this year. So go. Uh, okay, so my fi- every year my mom brings over well, what used to be from the bakery, which unfortunately by me closed. I can't believe it closed, by the way. I'm really Ridiculous. disappointed about that. Uh, yeah. But it was a pecan pie. And for the record, it's not pecan. It's pecan. Shut up, you're wrong. I agree. And with whipped cream... And yes, it goes well with the scotch, especially like a PD scotch, as you got like the sweet and then the smoky, and it's amazing. Oh, oh that that's definitely my favorite. Um, I will say my least favorite is anything cranberry related. You people in your cranberries, I don't stop it. You know, Dave, stop I it. wanted this to be a positive question. Let's stop trash talking cranberry. All right, normalize enjoying cranberries. Fine. You know what? After the last two years, enjoy whatever the hell you want, as long as it's legal and doesn't hurt people. Enjoy your cranberries. Thank you. And what are you thankful for? Uh, I am thankful for my amazing daughter. She is a giggle machine now. She sees me and she laughs. I'm still not entirely sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. (laughs) Um, I am thankful that she has my wife's eyes. My wife's eyes are blue. And mine are, you know, normal you know, Long Island Jew brown. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very thankful for that. And she sleeps when she goes down. She went through that four-month sleep regression, but the last week it's been seven to seven. I you am, lucky, lucky I man. am thankful. And to the baby gods, I, sw- I am thankful for it. Don't ruin this for me. Let me have this. All right. Rob, you're up. So I really love stuffing, actually. That's like um, That's what my she favorite. Said. Yeah. <laughs> and it you know, it, it's any any kind really, right out of the box, the stovetop in the in the bag. I mean it's just it's great. My mom did make a particular kind, um, with kind of bigger chunks of bread. There's also sausage in it, so I mean it was like a really proper hearty stuffing that was you know obviously terrible for you but just so so good um love stuffing love love kind of scooping up some stuffing and having a bite of turkey right along with it so gonna go with that and yeah i mean look i I, gonna sound like i'm stealing dave's answer here too but just thankful for my daughter and her um incredible personality i mean dave obviously your yours is a little bit younger but you know, at, at almost, you know, 15 months now, uh, our daughter is just, she's walking, if not running, she's babbling and almost actually saying words and just always in a good mood. Just, you can't help but brighten up the second she walks into a room. And, um, I'm sure things change as they get older, but, but, um, you know, I hope that that remains, uh, her personality as she gets older, that she remains one of those people who lights up a room every time she walks into it, because that's certainly the case now. And um, she's really the best thing that's ever happened to to me and to us, obviously, you know, Becky and I being her parents, we're just so lucky. So that's what I'm thankful for here as we go into the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. 
I'm also thankful that the heartburn that I had during pregnancy went away. Um, <laughs> okay, so my favorite food, I really like, so my mom does this, she'll make the turkey and she like steams vegetables beforehand and then she roasts the vegetables and they like kind of soak up all of like the butter and the seasoning with the turkey. And I know it sounds like really not anything special at all, but like I will sit and eat like an entire patch, like patch full of carrots and like broccoli and I'm so happy because it's all like flavored and delicious um and that's probably my favorite like along with the turkey and I like cranberry sauce Dave so you know <laughs> there's that um Ooh. and I overall just love Thanksgiving it's my favorite it's my absolute favorite and I am thankful. So Rob said, you know, our kids, so I'm not going to go there, but I'm thankful for our little corner of the universe. And like by that, I just mean that there's so much support. You know, I've got an incredible support system, family, friends, um, community. And I think that especially with COVID, you know, last year we felt very like isolated and this year you're feeling a little bit less isolated I think that the thing that we learned was that you have to make your corner of the universe a little bit brighter and that's the best that you could do some days um and I just am really grateful for for that you know for having people who I love who I know love me who I support and who support me and um and also for Sophie our other daughter because she keeps my feet warm when it's really cold out like tonight And doesn't she push random things off the shelves? Oh, she sure does. She did during this. uh, She knocked my water bottle off, but I don't think it made enough noise that Rob's going to have to edit it out. She funny story (laughs) actually. This is and this is so not hockey anymore. I'm so sorry, but um, Rob's mom came over on Friday to watch Emily while we went out for our anniversary dinner, and Uber didn't want to drive her back to New York, which was very annoying. So she wound up sleeping over and she was sleeping in our living room and our living room and our kitchen are like, you know, kind of just like one giant room. And 6 a.m. Sophie is like literally throwing a party, like knocking shit off of everything, like loud stuff too. And I got up twice to like pick her up and bring her back into our room. And like Rob's mom didn't even stir, like no idea. I'm like, man, I want to be that blissfully unaware when I'm sleeping, too. Like, I think at a certain point, because she had two kids, obviously, me and my brother, you learn to sleep through some racket uh, once you don't need to rush to the sound of, of anything unexpected in the middle of the night once the kids are old enough. So, yeah, she's a well-trained, very heavy sleeper at this point. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, that's so true. Um, well, that was a great way to close the show. So thank you so much uh, for doing that, Becky. And thanks, everybody, for submitting questions um before we sign off just want to say happy thanksgiving and enjoy the black friday game against the bruins i know it's always hasn't been kind to us in recent memory but you know what what'd you say socks yeah well i you know i think it's it actually is one of the better things the nhl has done over the last few years is make that a little bit of a tradition it's nice to kind of sit there with your you know kind of turkey hangover and and be able to watch a uh Watch a game. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the Rangers come out on top this year. Um, so that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes and Spotify. If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other, uh, other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check out blueseatblogs.com. The longest-running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off. We'll see you next time.